Let's pray. Holy God, at once a mystery and our most intimate companion, we wait in the silence for you to speak. Calm our hearts, quiet our minds, so that we can receive the comfort and wisdom that you have for us this morning. Let us not be distracted by worries or plans for the week ahead. As we seek you in your word, meet us here in the flesh so that we might get a glimpse of the call and vision that you are leading us to, even now as we sit and wait. Amen. In her book, Hope Thanks Wow, writer and spiritual leader Anne Lamott says that there are three essential prayers. All of our communication with God can be boiled down into these three phrases, help, thanks, and wow. Her words have guided me when I didn't have words of my own, when lengthy and complicated prayers rang hollow, when my prayers weren't words at all, but took the form of deep belly laughter or tears running silently down my face. I've prayed help many times when I endured a painful loss last year and when my car died in the Target parking lot this week. I've whispered many thanks as I have fallen asleep after a full day and when my car started again as soon as AAA was on its way. I've uttered many wows. After my dad's most recent scan that continued to declare him cancer-free, and during many Seattle sunsets. Our text today, particularly 1 Kings chapter 19 and Psalm 22, take us through some difficult moments in our biblical history. As you listen to them being read for you, you might have been able to pick out elements of help, thanks, and wow prayers. But I'd like to challenge Anne Lamott just a little bit and say that there's a fourth essential prayer, a prayer that's at the core of these passages. You see, help, thanks, and wow are all things you say to someone that you're sure is listening. Help, thanks, and wow are all phrases that you can say if you know for certain that there is someone out there who holds power, the kind of power to provide help, the kind of power that results in thanksgiving, the kind of power that induces awe. But what do you say in the moments when you're not sure that someone is listening? What do you pray then? I confess to you that even as a pastor, I have these moments. Moments of deep desperation. Moments of sheer panic and restlessness. Moments when I need something different from help, thanks, 
or wow. When I was making the transition to middle school, my mom introduced me to a Judy Bloom classic, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Margaret was growing up in an interfaith home, both Jewish and Christian, and she had lots of questions about religion, puberty, and the boys she was interested in. I had very similar questions and immediately felt like Margaret and I were kindred spirits. We even share a name. Margaret begins her uncertain prayers with the phrase, Are you there, God? Hoping that God is, in fact, listening. Are you there, God? Became one of my most frequent prayers as a teenager. And I'd like to suggest that it is just as essential as help, thanks, or wow. And so when I looked at the texts from this week, I heard my own desperate cries. When I read and meditated on them over and over, my teenage prayers began to feel like an echo of these ancient words. These biblical characters, Elijah and our psalmist David, both faithful people and leaders, I can hear both of them whisper, Are you there, God? I preached on this 1 Kings text last year at Covenant Village of Northbrook, shortly before I left Chicago for good. In that lectionary cycle, it was paired with a passage from Exodus about the Israelites eating manna in the wilderness. There were many connections to draw between those two passages about being fed by God and the provision that God provides on all of our long journeys of life. But this week, when paired with Psalm 22, a different theme began to emerge and sit at the forefront of my thoughts. So before we dive into those thoughts, let's take a look at these parallel texts. In 1 Kings chapter 19, we meet Elijah after his victory over the prophets of Baal. Having demonstrated the power of Yahweh, Elijah slaughtered all of his rival prophets with the sword. And Elijah is now on the run from King Ahab and Queen Jezebel, widely known as the corrupt and idolatrous monarchs of the northern kingdom of Israel. Elijah flees south to the kingdom of Judah, where he hopes that he will find safety. As a prophet, Elijah had been persistent in his critique of the economic and spiritual practices of Israel, calling out their treatment of marginalized people and speaking out against their worship of other gods. Now, I don't know about you, but I think prophets have a difficult job. The job of speaking truth, of holding powerful people accountable, guiding people who have wandered, and warning of judgment to those who have chosen an unrighteous path. I don't envy Elijah. Prophets often come into conflict with people and systems who have a vested interest in a lack of justice or accountability. And so Elijah continues south towards Mount Horeb, the mountain of God, Mount Horeb is where God first came to Moses with the instructions to set his enslaved people free. 
It is the same mountain where the freed but wilderness-bound Israelites are given the Ten Commandments, instructions about life in their new homeland. God has always spoken at Horeb. And so if you're reading between the lines, as I did, you can almost hear Elijah whisper, Are you there, God? Will I find you at this holy place? He reaches a cave and hears a word of the Lord which asks, What are you doing here, Elijah? Verse 10 tells us that Elijah answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, For the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. The word responds, Go out and stand on the mountain, for the Lord is about to pass by. Elijah obeys, eager to encounter God, as his ancestors had once done. And I'm sure you're all familiar with this. There is a great wind that passes by. And Elijah says, in my paraphrase, Are you there, God? But God is not in the wind. And then a powerful earthquake. And I imagine Elijah Elijah saying, Are you there, God? But God is not in the earthquake either. Next, a roaring fire. A third time, I can see Elijah saying, Are you there, God? But God is not in the fire either. Even though God's power and presence was made known to Elijah and the prophets of Baal by the arrival of a lightning bolt, God is not in these elements of wind, earth, and fire. God is not in the chaos or the destruction, or the flame. God is not in the raging, or the deafening, or the roaring. Again, I hear Elijah think, Are you there, God? It is then that Elijah hears the sound of sheer silence. And it is out of that nothingness that God speaks. It is into that emptiness that God finally appears. The NIV translates this, that God spoke in a gentle whisper. The King James Version reads that out of the silence came a still, small voice. In the late 1990s and early 2000s, there was a popular song by Chris Tomlin called In the Secret, which used this language of a still, small voice. It's a fairly simple song. I'm not going to sing it for you. You're welcome in advance. But the lyrics go, In the secret, in the quiet place, In the stillness, you are there. In the secret, in the quiet hour I wait, only for you, because I want to know you more. I want to know you. I want to hear your voice. I want to know you more. 
I want to touch you. I want to see your face. I want to know you more. Sounds pretty good, right? Well, my friends and I joked that this would be the kind of song that teenage girls who sneak out of their houses late at night to see their secret boyfriend might sing. So every time my youth pastor would announce that this was the next song, my friends and I would mime opening a window and climbing down a tree, which I'm sure bewildered and annoyed my youth pastor, but sent us into absolute hysterics. I, I promise you, if you heard it with the guitar, you would, you would totally be with me on the weird vibe. Um, but this song has happy memories for me, um, and it kept playing through my head this week, and I kept asking, are you there, God? In our psalm this morning, David grapples with what is perceived as God's absence. The psalm begins, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This guttural, aching question is repeated by Jesus on the cross. And both our psalmist David and our God incarnate seem to ask, Are you there, God? Verse 19, the beginning of the passage read for us this morning, starts, But you, O Lord, do not be far away. Again, I hear this desperate cry. Are you there, God? In the psalm, we see many parallels to Elijah's situation. Both speak of danger and a sense of threat. Both display feelings of fear and profound despair. And like Elijah, the psalmist is surrounded by his enemies and is in need of God's reassurance. And presence. But Psalm 22, however, is not just a cry of David, but the collective groan of God's people. Elijah is repeatedly said to be alone in the wilderness, alone as one of God's last surviving prophets of this era. But this Psalm of David is actually a corporate lament an entire community's cry, a witness to a public struggle. An entire people group, lost and afraid, asks, Are you there, God? An entire nation is seeking answers in the silence. And like Elijah eventually hears God's still, small voice, the choir of Psalm 22 eventually moves from sorrow to celebration because there is good news to be found. In verse 24, they say, He did not hide his face from me, but heard when I cried to him. These two passages, even though they are filled with conflict and doubt, actually bring us to some good news. This God who speaks in the silence, who does not hide his face from his suffering people, that same God will surely not forsake us now. 
this God who was not in the wind or in the earthquake or in the fire, but who came as a gentle whisper, the God who fed the poor until they were satisfied. Surely that gentle and generous God is still at work. The God who answered the are you there God of Elijah and David surely hears our cries too and will respond. And even more than simply responding to our groans and our aches, that God of the mountain will surely move us from fear and despair to hope and purpose. After Elijah asks, are you there, God? God asks him a question in return. He says, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah once again responds, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left. They are seeking my life to take it away. But God does a curious thing. We serve a curious God. God instructs Elijah to return north, back the way he came. God sends Elijah back to the conflict and those who threaten him with new instructions for God's people, new plans for hope and restoration. If we listen for God's whispers in the silence, it is not unthinkable that God will send us to places and to people who will resist prophetic voices and our calls for justice. And it's not unthinkable that I will forget my last page of my sermon. Oh, mercy's new every morning, am I right? If we cry out to God to do a new work in our grief and in our suffering, we should not be surprised if God gives us our own instructions to bring peace to this world. So in the stillness of this moment, in the silence of our hearts, I invite you to pray Margaret's prayer with me. Are you there, God? Your people are listening. Are you there, God? Open our hearts so that we would be ready to be strong and courageous for the journey you send us to. Are you there, God? Give us your voice so that your congregation can look past the wind and the earthquakes and the fires and hear what you are calling us to. Are you there, God? This community, these faithful people and leaders who have endured much tragedy, 
and felt much pain. We are eager to join you in your vision to make all things new. Because our psalm tells us, For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. You, the God of whispers, has power over the entire world. You, the God who speaks in silence, reigns forever and ever in a kingdom that has no end. The God who rescues the distressed rules over eternity. That God is you, God, our God. So when we ask you, are you there, God? Help us to know that the answer is always yes. And that even if we don't have the words, you will always meet us in the silence. Amen.